0: Welcome to the Empowered Eating and Living Podcast, where we dive into your inner world to explore all of the psychological, emotional, energetic, and spiritual components that may be influencing your struggle with food and eating. I'm your host, Sarah Emily Spears, a trained psychotherapist and energy worker who recovered from my own eating disorder. And now I help women just like you do the inner work to address the real issues keeping you stuck in your problematic eating patterns. Because I assure you, your problem with food is about way more than food. So join me and guest experts as we discuss the psychology of eating and healing and empower you with tangible steps you can take today to begin to improve your relationship with food and yourself from a place of true nourishment and care. Hey, today you are in for such a treat. I'm talking to my friend Chris Douglas. He's sort of like a soul brother for me on my journey. He is an astrology whiz, intuitive healer, and a creative for entrepreneurs. He offers services that range from astrology readings to brand photography and videography and intuitive healing sessions. He also is the creator of the inspirational YouTube channel by Chris where he offers insight and advice on your personal growth journey. And we spent this entire episode talking about our own healing experiences, but specifically focusing on the topic of intuition, because it can kind of be elusive and confusing when you're trying to honor your intuition or become an intuitive eater to really understand what the heck is my intuition and how do I listen to it? And that's exactly what we talk about. Enjoy. Hey, Chris.
1: Hey, what's up, Sarah?
0: All the things and nothing, all at once.
1: Everything and nothing. So, reality, this universe. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, I'm excited for our conversation. We're kind of doing something new with a little, like, two for one experience yeah. because you have your own podcast and I have my podcast. And we've recently begun walking the healing journey together. You're like a yes. little, little brother who's come into my life and. I'm just excited for us to kind of drop in and talk about our experiences and our mm-hmm. perspective on healing and intuition and see where this conversation takes us.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you for thank you for having me and thank you for like creating this space for us to share all this information. I feel like we have so much to share with everybody listening, so hopefully they can find a piece that's for them, if not all of it for them.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I love when these are emerging because there usually are so many sort of golden nuggets that are sprinkled throughout. Mm-hmm. And even if you just take one of those with you that you can begin to implement or that could change your perspective on how you mm-hmm. view yourself and your patterns or your struggles, then you know our, our job here is done.
1: Perfect. Well, let's get started without further ado. What are we talking about today?
0: I think intuition is the topic mm-hmm. that feels really ripe and important because it's mm-hmm. kind of this vague word That I know I see all over social media and everybody's talking about intuition, listen to your intuition. But when you're getting started on this path, that can be a really difficult thing to do.
1: Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Like our intuition are most connected to our trauma in life rather than you think of it as like, it's just a GPS of life that's going to lead me to the most beautiful place ever. And it's like, you can't really connect to that until you connect to the trauma But I also feel like through this healing journey, you connect to your intuition and it's almost like your co-pilot on this journey.
0: Can you elaborate more on what you mean that it's connected to trauma?
1: You think through half your life, like your intuition is this thing, but it's actually like these subconscious patterns that are unwinding in your life. And you're like, I'm going to go do that because it feels right and there's no resistance. But in fact, most of the time, like that intuition or subconscious patterning actually leads you to a really, really bad decision that causes your spiritual awakening that is a very, very traumatic event that wakes you up to like, oh my God, that wasn't my intuition. But then that door behind it, once you start to heal it, is that intuition that leads you to just these places that are so magical. And you're like, oh my gosh. And then almost along that journey, your you know, intuition is behind fear. Like all that fear is blocking your intuition. But once you jump and you're like, Oh my god, that that wasn't fear. That was that was intuition and I just didn't actually know what it was.
0: As you're sh- you're sharing, I have like two examples that come to mind that yeah. to me illustrate what you're talking about. Okay. And so the first was, you know, you're talking about you think you're following intuition and entering into something that feels good or positive or maybe mm-hmm. you think it's right for you or in your best interest. For me, actually I have two examples coming up. The first one was entering into a relationship, mm-hmm. and my intuition felt like oh i don't I don't think this is right, yeah. but I wasn't trusting that feeling. I thought that feeling was actually fear uh-huh. that I was afraid of a committed relationship or I was afraid of getting hurt, and so uh-huh. I kind of overrode the initial intuition and listened to the fear of missing out or okay. the fear of not having a relationship, and uh-huh. then I went to a intuitive reader. And she told me that this person was my twin flame. And if I didn't, essentially, if I broke his heart, I would have eight years of bad karma. And that fueled the fear around, oh, I can't like do this thing. Like I, if I like am not with him, something bad will happen. Uh huh. Then I ended up dating this man and it turned out that it became a very emotionally toxic relationship. And I realized that I had you know, you know, it kind of spiraled into a really difficult relational experience. And so I realized uh-huh. at the end of it that my intuition was actually trying to get my attention the whole time. Wow. Yeah. And and how muddied that water can be, right? We give our mm-hmm. power away to other people, our parts and fears show up. And then you end up in a situation, like you said, that is even more difficult or creates more challenges for you. And you have mm-hmm. to then undo, you know, what was created as a result of it. Mm-hmm. And then the second example, it was related to my eating disorder. So I like, yes, because my, I thought I was being healthy. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, I'm just going to go on this diet because that'll be healthy. But the underlying trauma was not feeling good enough and trying to make myself feel better by being a perfect eater and having a perfect body so that Mm -hmm. I could be worthy and deserving of love. And the result of then going on the diet is that it actually led me down the path of overriding my intuition and hunger cues and developing an eating disorder, Mm -hmm. all in the the name of being healthy, but really it was all in the name of proving my worth and my enoughness.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's, that's just fascinating on that journey to see like how you like, thank you for sharing that first, but even just how like one felt like it was intuition and so right. And then. I always say though, like especially like readers and stuff. As soon as somebody states like you know fear and missing out, and a lot of readers I think hit that fear basis, and I was like, fear should never be connected to intuition, because intuition is almost like this whisper in our ear, and our guy's just like grabbing us by the shoulder and being like, "Whoop, turn to your right a little bit," and you're like, "Thank you."
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So how would you you begin to differentiate between the feeling of intuition and the feeling of fear, because it took me learning the hard way, like these examples I gave you to, Mm -hmm. in hindsight, look back and recognize what the warning signs were from myself versus what was coming from the fear space or the trauma space. Mm -hmm. And you were just naming it a little bit like a gentle whisper, but- I think having pointers would be helpful for listeners.
1: Yeah, well, so it's funny. So I have one story popping in my mind again to this. And it was the one time that I really started to connect with my intuition. It was about a year from the day. uh, I signed up for a sacred ceremony and I signed up for it. I went with my intuition. I was right in and it was like, it felt like, yes, the whole time. Like, yes, do this. No question. I'm jumping on board and I'm not even thinking about it. As soon as I signed up for it, this abundance of fear came in out of nowhere. And I was like, Oh God, that's my intuition. It is screaming at me Do not do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And I was like, okay, but i really, really felt initially. And that's a key there initially that I should do this. And then I started thinking and subconscious patterning and ego just steps in and goes, goes, goes. And I'm like, so I call up and I'm like, Hey, um, I'm sorry. I took the spot. Um, I think that there's this spot would be better for somebody else. And, Um, I'm just not called to do this. And luckily that person grounded me and was like, Chris, you, you actually got ahead of your intuition and your intuition was grounding you to pull you back. But there's also a bit of trust here that you're learning. And then that, that sacred ceremony actually put me in the pilot seat of connecting with my intuition to such a degree. And that was like one of the doors opening to my intuition was like just this, I always say it's like a co-pilot just sitting right here and just like directing me through. And there's no. There's never any questioning with intuition um, with me. It it just comes in so soft and in such a deep place of knowing that when I start to question it, I'm just like, why are you even questioning this? It it just feels so right. And there's no, the big thing to intuition that I always go back to if I'm questioning it is intuition doesn't have a timestamp. It just says, do it. And there's no urgency. If there's urgency, it's typically a subconscious pattern or an insecurity or fear projecting as your intuition.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. That sense of urgency, which is mm-hmm. to me pointing to like how it feels in the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Like the intuition, there's a sense of stability or maybe yeah. peace or calmness in the nervous system. And even if there's fear arising, there isn't this jitteriness or this overwhelming uh, like urge or force that's kind mm-hmm. of driving your choices and actions. And when it's coming from fear in parts, there's this like subtle, almost nervous flurry of energy that's like there in the background Mm -hmm. that feels like it's, it's sort of running the show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it can take a lot of practice discerning between, Mm -hmm. you know, what is coming from this trauma response or this deeply ingrained pattern and what is actually coming from the intuition of self and soul. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, I think that's the most confusing part. And um, so I had a recent experience with this in Tulum. And in Tulum, it's the coolest thing when we hit the resorts and the beaches in Tulum, I just got this, my guides literally connected with me were like, hey, buy this cloth, and we're in this shop. And I'm like, why am I buying this cloth? And it was literally like, don't question it. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm gonna buy this. And What I'm getting at here is there's an element of trust. So I just trust that this, I needed to buy this and I had no idea and I was like, I don't know why, but it's $25, so let's buy it. As soon as I bought that cloth, I passed the test of trust. And it was like a GPS through the whole day of Tulum of literally like, I I was filming stuff and it's like, oh, like I'm gonna film that. And then next thing you know, we're walking over there and that's the next spot we'd go. And it was just like, I was ahead of the day in the weirdest way. And the more I trusted this feeling, the more it was just opening up and giving me more signs to like follow it with. And then we left Tulum and I was like, where did it go? And then it came back for Pisces season, of course. But
0: <laughs> yeah, I think when we're in the hustle and bustle of our daily life, you know, that's where our patterning is usually strongest. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when we remove ourselves from our home environment or our work environment and you go away on vacation, all, all of the sort of culturally created or Our daily life stressors aren't there. And so it can be easier Mm -hmm. to access that stream of intuition and that peace and to feel some safety in following it because you're sort of there for the adventure anyway.
1: Now, that's a, that's a super good point because I would say when I'm here in Kansas city, back at this apartment, like when I came back from that experience, I came back here and I was so aware of all these subconscious patterns and i felt this sense of just like resistance in everything i was doing which it was unwinding that resistance that created like the new connection to the intuition but it was so difficult to reconnect to that feeling of intuition because all these patterns were in the way and you know spirit's like hey you know here's the gift of intuition and you know a pure a pure knowing Versus all these patterns, but in order to get here, you have to do the work to break these old patterns. And anytime you feel yourself slip into one of those, you're gonna you're gonna realize that that is an intuition. That's a that's a negative pattern that is controlling you. But the more you release those, you can open up into intuition, which is here to guide you, not control you.
0: What are some of the patterns that you find you bump up against, or you have?
1: Oh man, I so. So I have a lot of Pisces in me. All right, so I'm a Pisces Sun and Moon. Something that in a, a Life Path 11. So something that I deal with is dependency, and it's this this dependency of like, for instance, when I work out, I feel like I need caffeine in order to, you know, work out and have enough energy. And then I, I developed this toxic pattern about back in back in my nursing days. So it was in 20 2017 2018. I was just so stressed out with life. It was so just like ugh, difficult. And I started smoking weed like every night at about seven or eight o'clock just to help me wind down so I could go to sleep over the years developed I wouldn't say a dependency and never in an addiction or an addiction, but I started like having this dependency on, you know, using marijuana to fall asleep. So then when I came back from Tulum and I would not never do it consistently, but there would just be times at like seven or eight o'clock. All right nothing to do. I'm bored. Let's get high. And I was just finding all these reasons to use substances outside of myself that were, you know, blocking me from everything from myself. And I was literally giving away my energy to all these aspects that were, you know, thinking to help me recharge. And they were actually draining the crap out of my energy.
0: I love that. Yeah, that's such a good example because substances is one of those areas where, we can often overlook how habitual that is. You know, mm-hmm. we're just kind of in the the groove of using substances. And for my audience, you know, it's women who struggle with food and eating issues. Mm-hmm. So you're pointing to marijuana, right? And and a lot of my audience is using food as the way to self-soothe or to regulate mm-hmm. their nervous system. But there's still this this habitual aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating too because at least when it comes to food and eating, in the work that I do, I see that these patterns originate in childhood Mm -hmm. because at a young age, you know, you spoke to trust and you spoke to like this knowing, like I just know. But in childhood, a lot of times as children, our knowing is overridden by the adults or society around us. For sure. So it's like, you know, a child like knows what they want and they're told no, or that Mm -hmm. they're wrong. And so then we start to lose trust for our own inner knowing and -hmm. give our power away to those outside of us so then we look to parents to tell us what we know or teachers to tell us what we should think or what we should learn and I think that's one of the reasons why at least among the women I work with we've become so disconnected from our intuition is Mm -hmm. we haven't been taught at a young age how to honor it and how to listen to it and have that inner knowing respected by those around us
1: Yeah, no, I that is that is you just brought up so much stuff in my life here. So when I was a child, I had epilepsy and I had grandma seizures. And a big part of my trauma and my trust actually come from being in the hospital as a kid. And the, you know, my mom, my mom used to have to hold me down to get my blood drawn. So somebody who was my protector was, you know, somebody who wasn't. But I remember having this just being so in tune with myself at that time. And then kind of like knowing when we would go there and oh man the trauma that that just like brings up and then the fact that um during this time too so i have trouble with i eat intuitively i eat very intuitively and so i was on the ketogenic diet at this time so that was keto is actually being used to um, ketones decrease the threshold of you know having epilepsy or epileptic seizures And just that whole thing you said there, there's like this, this trusting relationship with my mother, who was my guardian, um, was the one who was there supporting and nurturing and then not, and then this sense of like trust and intuition and being like, that's somebody I trust now it's somebody who I don't trust. And then, you know, relating that even to my diet and how I eat now is like, whenever I do feel kind of triggered, I just like eat away. And it's, it's all the foods that I couldn't eat back then on the keto diet. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes, you are perfectly describing some of the processes that I I see with my clients there. It's like when you're a kid, you could imagine a child who's like, mommy, I'm hungry. And then (laughs) mom says, you're not hungry. You just ate. Yeah, And that message alone makes the child question what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's true that the child isn't hungry. What I encourage parents to do is is sit with the child to explore the sensations that the child is experiencing. So you can help the child start to learn for themselves. Oh, this is what hunger feels like. Oh, this is what an emotion of fear feels like. Oh, this is what tired feels like. Mm -hmm. And then you get to build a language to help begin to differentiate between like our sensations because intuition is an internal sensation that's probably going to be somewhat different for everyone
1: yeah and it's you know and going back to like diet and food stuff whenever you know seven or eight o'clock hits at night and or even in the morning when these like dependency triggers fire away you know what the natural response is just eat just go eat but I, you know, in going to that, like my mom was probably like, you know, I had a strict diet, I could only hear, here, 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 and here. Like, oh no, you aren't hungry. So one, I'm listening to my intuition as a child and I'm very connected to it. And she's telling me, no, that's wrong. So then, oh, deep pattern is that's not your intuition. You're wrong. But then the second one now is like, oh my gosh, like you don't need caffeine, just eat some breakfast. Your body is hungry. Now you're confusing hunger with like, you know, something to turn off that appetite in order to, you know, move past it because of an old childhood pattern.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and then growing up later in life, there's this rebelliousness Mm -hmm. of because I was restricted or deprived something. Now that part inside of you is almost over overdoing it. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, how can I get as much of this as I can? Yeah. Because there was a a belief that I won't be able to have this, right? There's that fear energy driving the, the behavior.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, circling back to the beginning, like all these subconscious patterns from childhood that were like, this is the way I am because that's the way I am. And, you know, that's just me. Like, that's not intuition. That is so subconscious pattern controlling you And these, these recent experiences, especially um, my last one, I was literally like sitting in my loop of all this crap. And it's like, this is what you do. This is not your intuition. And it just smacked me in the face with it. And I was like, oh gosh, thank you for sharing that. (laughs) And then I came back here and was like, I got this under control. And then I'd be like halfway down a pattern. Like, oh God, I did it again. All right, tomorrow we'll get it. And it was slowly chipping away those patterns to find intuition on the backside.
0: Right. I, that reminds me of what I tell clients, which is sometimes intuition, or you could, I guess, say spirit also.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I mean, maybe one in the same, or your intuition is like spirit communicating through you. Mm-hmm. But it's like spirit will talk to you with that whisper you mentioned. But if you aren't listening, then it comes in with a brick. Yep. And then if you're not listening, it comes in with a Mack truck. And so sometimes our intuition puts us in these painful situations to get our attention to make mm-hmm. us wake up, so we can't ignore the thing in our life or the pattern that's at play that is mm-hmm. keeping us stuck.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's—I mean, I had—I had something like that come out of um, my nursing experience. So I used to be a nurse. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh gosh. So I—I was—I was halfway through nurse practitioner school when the universe came in and it just slapped me. It can divine intervention is the term. So whenever I entered nursing school, I got out of a biology degree and was like, I wanted to do something in healthcare. I didn't want to, my parents wanted me to, I know it was this, this thing of like, well, okay, let's go in and be a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant, because I'll, I'll be making over $100,000, I will have safety security, and I'll have time off to go do whatever I want to with it, like a couple days a week, or let's, let's just let's, uh, let's figure out what we can do minimal effort to have more days off and a good salary. So first week of nursing school, I did not want to go. Like my body is just like, Chris, don't go my stomach. So whenever um, I'm not listening to my intuition, my stomach locks up and it's like, I cannot eat. I cannot eat, and it's it's literally my body's way of like listen to yourself, Chris. So ended up voicing it to my mom uh, because she was helping to pay for school, and I was like, "Mom, just not feeling this nursing." Like I, and she's like, "Oh, it's your first week. You'll be fine." And I was like, "Okay, whatever." And it was a one year program, so I was like, "I'll get through it." Three hundred sixty five days turned out to be the worst year of my life. Then I get into nursing. Had six months that I couldn't find a job. And then ended up getting one and I hated my first job. And I was like, I'll do pediatrics. I love pediatrics. Get into peds. Uh, two, two and a half years in P- pediatrics. Worst day of my life. Um, I, and it, this goes back to um, smoking weed and stuff. Went the night before, was sick. Um, ended up smoking. Woke up the next morning feeling off. Was on Lexapro, Adderall, and Vivans. Forgot to take my Lexapro. Took my Adderall, drank coffee because I'm sick and just got over the flu. And I'm like in grad school, stress in my life away. And I'm just like, life sucked. Go to work that day, have the worst day ever. Um, Pretty much had what I would call an electrolyte imbalance and panic attack and acute withdrawal from Lexapro or like a little bit of serotonin syndrome. Ended up getting pulled into the, the office because I was acting out of character and was just, I remember, I was not. out of it. Yeah, but it was it was such a day of very very spiritual awakening day, um, and ended up pretty much going through this mess, having to go to the ER. Um, my blood sugar was tanked. Had to get like three bags of fluid. End up having a huge electrolyte imbalance. But then they got me for failing a drug test, and then trying to say that I was high at work, even though I'd been there for you know six or eight hours at this point. It was at one o'clock in the afternoon, and I was like. I remember saying in a meeting post, I was like, if I was high at work, I would have been eating you know, snacks in, this, in the snack room and I, I wouldn't have been aggressive. I would have been pretty chill. But I, to the point of the story, I didn't listen to my intuition of getting out of nursing. And I was just going down this path and continuing to go and continuing to go and continuing to go. And then the universe is like, burp, here's your spiritual awakening and your divine intervention since you pushed so far past it. And then bam, get out of that, ended up getting a nursing contract or travel nurse contract, bought a drone, got into content creation. And now I'm going down this, you know, content creator life coach path that's awakening right now. And it's like, that essence of this feels so much more true to me than all of that.
0: Yeah. And uh, it's so good what you're sharing because it shows how the conditioning around Mm -hmm. who we think we should be Mm -hmm. can really keep us stuck. Yeah these lifestyles that are actually not in alignment with what our soul is craving mm-hmm. or what's for our highest good and the good of all and sure. when we need to get like on a different track spirit will do whatever it takes to make sure that we get mm-hmm.
1: there yeah even
0: exactly me, i was just going to say ahead. even for me with my bulimia like uh-huh. when i was in bulimia suffering binging and purging I didn't understand like why was this happening to me and then Mm -hmm. when I saw the gift of how it got me into healing work and it allowed Mm me to begin to heal all these parts and pieces of myself so that I could step into becoming a healer it's like oh then no wonder that happened Mm -hmm. the the intuition actually that like led me to discover different healing modalities that led me to, you know, look at Reiki and tapping Mm -hmm. was so beautifully orchestrated and guided that it was like the most perfect unfolding, even though in hindsight, it felt like I could have made it easier on myself had I listened Mm -hmm. way sooner.
1: Yeah. And, um, no, exactly with that too. So I hit this point on my journey with um, video. So video editing is what I got into content creation. This last year, I've done a lot of spiritual work and like healing and deconditioning. I started to get those same feelings that I did with nursing, with video editing, like all this resistance. And I'm like, this is my career. What am I? Like, I finally hit a good number with it. I'm like, spirit, we can't be doing this again. And spirit's like, Chris, we aren't doing this again. We're just upgrading you. What if you implemented all this spiritual work like you said, like all that trauma of like, oh, you you became an intuitive healer. You know how to use your body to connect to other people's bodies. You have this, in, you know, psychic intuitive ability to read others. What if you put all of that into a similar experience like you did, instead of having people jump out of their nine to five and start living their dreams, what if you help them transition and walk into their dreams? An easy
0: transition. Yeah,
1: and by the way, you can help them create their content and their website because that's the most expensive part. And I was like, Right, oh my god, thank you, Spirit.
0: <laughs> but it yeah, was like, as you heal and grow and expand the way you serve. Mm-hmm. and how you serve gets to evolve with you and and uh, you know expand in those ways too
1: yeah and i don't think i would have ever trusted that to this degree if i hadn't gone through this process you know looking at it in hindsight and being like oh gosh there's that feeling again i don't like that feeling and then you know reinviting it into where i'm at now and then that uh, that amount of trust that came in this time and i was like oh this This is why I'm in a holding pattern of how much I'm making a month is like, oh, because I'm not supposed to be making that a month. We're supposed to be expanding and all this free time is to move into what's new.
0: Right. Yeah. And and what's coming up for me is all the fear that can arise when we're stepping into Mm -hmm. something new, you know, as you're naming this uh, kind of stepping into something that your intuition is guiding you towards, you know, then Mm -hmm. you can really bump up against the fear monsters and our egos you know, worrying about what could go wrong or the unknown, how do you sort of handle the fear that arises when you're, you know, approaching these, these new territories?
1: Ooh, that's, this is the most fun part of the journey to me. Honestly, this is, this is what lights my soul up. Is like, when you have that fear,
0: it's facing I, the fear lights you
1: yeah, up. Yeah. But it's, it's because my body, my body lights up. My nervous system, when fear arises, just lights up. I say like a Christmas tree. If I'm if I'm in the dark, like I'm lighting up New York. <laughs> but
0: why? What's the reason?
1: I I don't know. It's just it's my connection to my body and my sensitivity is one of my greatest gifts. And as soon as I feel that fear rise up, I lean into it, and it starts to release. And as soon as I lean into that that fearful side, and I I have that will to do it, that all that emotion and that like locking up on my body releases and it's my way to connect the spirit and intuition to like oh this is the right direction this is this is releasing what was rigid and being blocked
0: and really because i'm trying to just understand because this is a really it sounds like effective process that is pretty Mm -hmm. simple so Mm -hmm. it's like with your awareness you're just with the sensation of fear or what's arising Mm -hmm. and simply allowing it to begin to dissipate Uh
1: uh-huh And I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a good example is, man, it's almost like it's almost kind of like what happens with insecurities, like if um, a fear of being alone, here's a good one, a fear of uh, loneliness, this came up in my last uh, medicine retreat. So whenever I'm lonely, or have this feeling of loneliness, you know what I do? I make myself get comfortable being alone whether that be sitting on the couch whether it be meditating whether it be journaling like literally spend time with myself and when i do that that feeling dissipates and it releases and i start feeling better and as soon as i start feeling better and i'm comfortable with it you wouldn't believe how many text messages come in of people wanting to do stuff but on the reverse side if i have that projection of loneliness and i'm like oh my God, I'm going to text everybody in my phone to see if they want to do something. You won't believe the amount of times I get ignored until I soothe it. Then they're like, hey, what's up? Just saw your text. I'm like, oh, of course you did.
0: <laughs> that's, that's funny because I can relate to that. It's, yeah. it's like the fear energy. Somehow the universe responds to that <laughs> in a way that only magnifies it so that we really mm-hmm. have to face whatever is there that is not, that's asking to be healed or liberated, right? Yeah, The patterns that you're speaking about. Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so with the with the new business stuff if i'm like whoo what if i don't make enough money i'm like what if i don't make enough money what's gonna happen do i get do i find a new living situation that's better like what if like it's almost like my my pisces energy just leans into it and creates this magical world out of the fear and the what if like what if something better happens when in life have you gone backwards instead of forwards you know, there's been one instance of that, but it created so much more security and trust. But just always leaning into the what if, but instead of making it your worst enemy, make it your best friend.
0: I love that reframe because we we often are focusing on the what if something goes wrong. What mm-hmm. if the worst case scenario happens mm-hmm. and to shift into the potentiality of all the beautiful or good things that mm-hmm. could happen and that are probably more likely to happen, like mm-hmm. given the history of you know, the risks that you've taken and what they've resulted in. I know for myself, I've been doing that too, where I'm like, okay, Sarah, every time you've taken a trust fall with the universe and you've honored this feeling, what is on the other side of that? And every time it's like the best thing ever for myself at that time in my life. And there was always a period of intense fear or anxiety Mm -hmm. building up to the fall. You know, it's like getting ready to jump out of an airplane. You're standing on the ledge and you're like terrified and gripping and not wanting to fall. And then once you land on the ground, it was the best experience Mm -hmm. of your life. And you're just lit up and so happy that you were willing to take that leap. Yeah,
1: I, I would agree with that. I mean, skydiving was one of the most magical things in my life. But any instance in my life that fear was in the way led me to the greatest relief and release. And just like the magic behind that door was just incredible. And it's it's kind of like how I, I've started to lean into fear is like, hmm, you're scared of that? Well, let's run after it. It's the adventurous side, you know?
0: Yeah. And this is where being able to differentiate between the fear of ego and the fear coming from the parts that are worried about survival or huh. you experiencing danger And the almost like thrilling fear of this is something new, but this is something I know that is right for me. You know, those have really subtle distinctions in terms of how they feel in the body. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes a lot of practice to get so refined in your level of awareness to be able to start to tell within yourself, which is which.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's always fun to, I'm glad you're bringing ego into this because ego is here to protect us, but ego can also work for us. So if ego is protecting you, it doesn't want you to expand. So if ego comes in and it's like, "Hey, no, don't do that. Don't do not expand. We do not want to expand because the last time we expanded, something bad might have happened. Might have happened. Key word. But as soon as you're, you know, you de- you lean into it, you're expanding, and then ego's like, "Oh crap, I was wrong. This is better." And most of the time, if my ego starts coming in on like fear base or it's starting to like really get in there, I think of it like Siri. You know, you can be like, "Hey Siri." or like hey ego go figure out what i'm going to have for dinner tonight or go figure out what I, or go find me a job go find me some work and i was actually playing around with this last night talking about um, a video that i'm releasing a reel on but i did it and then today i got a call and this guy's like hey i got a job for you if you want it i was just i was cracking up and i was like it's funny how i used it as an example and was just using it and then today i got the call for a job that came in with it but I it's whenever that it. yeah thank you whenever that chatter starts you know, it's like, all right, ego, you're, you're working against me right now, I feel like, so I'm going to put you to work and figure out what that work is so that we both can benefit from it. And we can grow.
0: I never thought of viewing the ego as your helper. But really, it's just the part that wants to help keep you safe, or Mm -hmm. make sure that you're okay. And so if you get to give your ego, things that it can do to support you in that goal, that's Mm -hmm. actually effective and helpful, then it's still working on your behalf, right? Yeah. It's like using the ego and the personality self in the direction mm-hmm. of, that the soul actually wants to go.
1: Yeah, and it's it's so useful, um, but it's, it's just that innate or that pattern of like protection. And it's it does a very good job of that. And it can be very useful if you don't want to expand. But at the sense of expansion, like, you know, you can't expand, you can't jump higher without bending your knees. So it's got to contract and then it's like, oh, here's where we stopped last time. And you're like, nope, a little bit more. And it's like, oh, that does feel good. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I appreciate normalizing the contraction expansion
1: cycle oh, also. I did, I did too, because we we always focus on the high, right? We're like, woo, that felt so good. It's a new me. And then we're like, oh, crap, here we go. What's happening to this? Where is it going? And it's behind each of those contractions that leads you to a greater sense of self, greater sense of spirit, greater sense of trust. And just even understanding that egoic principle to work with spirit. Because if it's like, um, it's like masculine and feminine, right? Like which one's better, masculine or feminine? Well, when the masculine can hold the feminine and the feminine can support the masculine, it's called inner balance and harmony. And when you have inner balance and harmony, you're out of your head you're in your heart and in your heart, you know, and then you're connected to intuition.
0: (laughs) Because the intuition is really like the, I mean, I guess your heart is the gateway to your intuition. Mm -hmm. Well, but I'm curious, do you feel like intuition is something that speaks through the heart or is it a gut feeling or could it be both?
1: So it, (sighs) mine comes as like a deep sense of knowing and trust in my heart. I just, it's, it feels like divine love just like I'm just like, oh, I just know. It's a sense of knowing. If it's coming from my head, then I tend to think of insecurities, knowing, and then gut is like last chance, like you're not listening, we're locking it up so that you can feel the release go through.
0: I um I think it's helpful to highlight how it feels different.
1: Mm-hmm. And what
0: you're pointing to is this sense of knowing because some people have that clear cognizance of mm-hmm. they just know other beings, it's more of a feeling experience or a sensation. Uh-huh. And for everybody to begin to learn for yourself the way that intuition and spirit communicates with you. Yeah, I'm like kind of new with human design. But I recently had someone tell me that my chart, I have a sacral authority. And uh... she told me because that those are just words to me. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And, you know, if you read online, how a sacral authority works, it'll say, Well, you'll either get just a yes or a no. Uh-huh. But again, how, how do I know it's a yes? How do I know it's a no? And the tip that she gave me that was super helpful is she said it's all in your hum. So if mm-hmm. something's a yes and I think about it, I'll go, hmm. And there'll be that like high pitched like, oh yeah, that feels good. And if something's a no, I'll go, hmm. Mm, and it'll be this downward pitch
1: yep. that
0: lets me know it's a no for my, for me. And I thought that was so insightful because I had never, you know, sometimes I stumble with really understanding, is this actually my intuition? Is this telling me yes or no? And mm-hmm. so now I've been playing with humming as a way to listen to my body and intuition as well.
1: I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up human design in this because, yeah, I was going to say as a sacral, like your yeses and no's are that mm-hmm or mm-mm. It's, right. it's all Which- and then that it home never clicked you to until I
0: heard her say it, and then I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. okay, I get this."
1: So, and then, so here's the crazy part I'm going to relate to is as a Pisces, Sun and Moon, I'm supposed to have this insane intuition. So I do when I soundboard. So I'm a mental projector. So I have no inner authority. So the most frustrating thing somebody asks is like, Chris, what is your inner knowing? And I'm like, I don't know. It's so subconscious it spins. But what I have to do is soundboard. And I have to. it has to be off somebody I trust, which this created some of the disharmonious and harmonious relationships in my life because I'd always ask for advice. And some people I'd be like, nope, that's not it. And even though they really know their stuff, I'm like, I nope, that's not it. Because when I sound bored, I'm saying something and catches a vibration coming back to me. But if it's somebody that I don't trust, it can come back as a yes. So I literally have to find people that I trust and I have deep relationships with that are not emotionally connected to the situation I'm in. Because as soon as I do that, then it just it bounces back and comes to me because it's a mental projector. If I had an inner authority, I wouldn't guide anybody else. We're here to help guide everybody else. But as we guide them, we guide ourselves. And a lot of, a lot of people have these inner authorities that they're just like, they just know they have this sense of like, they don't have to ask outwardly and mine's the exact opposite. And it took me until this last year to really understand that.
0: That's so fascinating and would be helpful for anyone who doesn't really know human design to go look and check because if they're a a mental projector then the whole saying like oh the answer is within look within Mm -hmm. may not resonate and you might be feeling so frustrated like why can't i figure this out by going within and you're actually saying well you actually have to look without and find people who you can trust who you can talk to about it so that you can get reflected like truth
1: yeah and it's that was that was the wildest part of my journey and that's Oh, it's so frustrating because it's like, I'm a Pisces. I'm supposed to know this. I'm an 11. Like I'm I'm the most in tune of everything. And then it's like, where's that sound? (laughs) But yeah, it's it's just, it's a wild ride.
0: It really is. And these systems like human design or astrology can sort of be fun and helpful in helping Mm -hmm. everybody understand for your unique sort of blueprint, like what Mm -hmm. your tendencies may be or your pathway may be to deepening self-awareness and intuition and connection mm-hmm. to spirit. I know you mentioned Pisces a lot. Yeah. And I, Pisces is a very intuitive sign. Mm-hmm. And for people who are on my podcast don't know you're like an astrology. Yeah, guru of I sort. love it. Oh,
1: thank yeah. you.
0: Chris Chris knows so much astrology so I love picking your brain about it. Uh-huh. Are there other signs that have the tendency to be more intuitive than others?
1: So the most intuitive signs are Pisces, Cancer, Scorpio, um, Leo, anybody with Leo placements in their big three. That's me. So people with Leo have this. Double Leo. Yeah. Well, so then that's your intuition. So a lot of Leos are actually amazing channelers because Leo is like the water or the fire sign of the water signs. So it's, and it's very funny because Leo and Pisces are very well, they're, they're not even opposites, but they're close to opposites. But Leo is like the fire sign of the Pisces. Um, then the other signs, Virgo. Virgo has a really, really strong gut. And it's everybody has a deep sense of intuition. It's just where it shows up in their life. So like Gemini, Gemini is connected to both sides, reality and spirituality, but they can't make any decisions till they get out of their head. Their heads, their trap, But once they learn to drop into their body, their bodies do not lie to them. Um mm-hmm aries aries adventurous side can hurt them but once they get out of the anger and aggression there's their intuition taurus is very self-sufficient but they're slow and stubborn so once they stop being stubborn and resisting what comes in it's right there what signs did i miss one libra libra has to have inner balance and harmony in order to access their intuition otherwise they're stuck in their head and then sagittarius And Sagittarius has to not be teaching somebody Sagittarius like goes to the teacher role as soon as they're triggered and as soon as they step back and start listening, then they have access to their intuition.
0: Interesting. What did I miss?
1: I missed Aquarius. Aquarius. Aquarius has to balance emotions and free flow. Is that Aquarius is water, Aquarius is higher self, but it's water and air meeting. So water is all about emotion and air is about detachment. So whenever they reach that point of like emotional detachment, they have a very, very clear, but they can't be all detachment. They have to have still emotions current currenting or flowing through them.
0: It's really fascinating and fun. I love just hearing you spit, <laughs> uh, spit your wisdom you. about all the signs because I <laughs> hear the words and I just have a big blank question mark on my mind.
1: Dude. it's so. And a part of my journey was actually astrology led me to intuition and all this stuff. I had no idea who I was. And being that mental projector and that Pisces, sun and moon, like I mirror everything and I'm very adaptable and I was very, very conditioned. Then I read what a Pisces was and it said intuitive, creative, and this big E word that I had no idea at the time. And it was entrepreneurial. And I was like, what is that? As I'm building businesses and was going down this rabbit hole of a creative business, I was like, what is that E word that keeps popping up? And then I was like, oh, what you're doing right now? How crazy is that?
0: (laughs) I love that because it's like I said, and we said earlier that. A lot of times we don't know who we are because we've been so conditioned and told how we should be and who we should be according to society and parental expectations. And then sometimes we need a map because Mm -hmm. a lot of clients I work with will say, I don't know who I am. You know, they are confused about how to even begin to learn who they are truly when they remove the patterns and conditioning Mm -hmm. and astrology could be a nice map or mm-hmm. way that someone could begin to get a sense of maybe their innate tendencies or essence. Mm-hmm. Although I think you also wanna be careful cause I've seen people who then give their power away to the astrology reader or the horoscope and they take yeah. that as absolute truth. And that's not the mm-hmm. intention or purpose of astrology either. It's meant to empower you yeah. to know yourself better versus let that become the thing that you give your power away to.
1: Yeah, exactly. A lot of people. I always say, like, I, I think Aubrey Marcus is. It wears me out when he says this because he's so intuitive, and he he'll say, like, you know, I don't like astrology because it's limiting, or like human design, or any of the things. Like, it limits you, and I think it's the opposite. That's a glass ceiling. I think it helps create a really, really strong foundation, and you can discern what fits and what doesn't. And as soon as you know that, it just gives you a little bit more of a key of kind of where you're going and something that might align more than just guessing.
0: I think it limits you if you lock into that as Mm -hmm. 100% your truth. Exactly. Then it does define and limit you because you're Mm -hmm. an expansive being that's always changing and growing and evolving. And you're not going to leave room for that Mm self-discovery if you are using astrology to tell you.
1: Exactly. It's it's just a tool or a key that can give you so much more access to information, I think more readily. Um, but as soon as something just doesn't fit, you don't have to accept it. And you're like, nope, that's, you know, that's, that's very generalized. That might not be me.
0: The metaphor it, that I like is a map, you know, mm-hmm. the good old days when we had an actual paper map, <laughs> you know, the map tells you about the territory and it might tell mm-hmm. you, oh, like Arizona and the Southwest has a tendency to be drier and you know have more deserts and the northeast has a tendency for snow and and you know there's these like patterns that we see but
1: mm-hmm. it's not
0: absolute truth you yeah. know sometimes it snows in the desert and sometimes it's hot in the winters and things change and so our job is to like have the map but then we get to go ex- actually explore the terrain and discover yeah. for ourselves what does it actually feel like yeah. to be here what am I actually experiencing in the space? And how, how does this map fit or not fit, according to my experience?
1: No, I love that. That's a really good analogy. That just puts it all together. Like you're going here and you don't know everything, but you know a little bit of it. So go have fun and explore the rest. And it just it just gives you that foundation to create with and you know co-create with.
0: Which is kind of what we're here to do. Like we're not exactly. here to be a perfect replica or carbon copy of what other people say. We're here to to become alive, to become free mm-hmm. and our truest selves, which yep. is really the journey.
1: Oh, I agree the whole, the hundred percent on that, because as soon as you find that truer sense of self too, it's just like, everything starts opening up to you. And it's almost like that game of like resistance. It's still like, you still have challenges because there's the, you get bored if you don't have any challenges. And as soon as you have too many, you get very anxious But as soon as you can find that slot of where you're supposed to be doing what you're doing, like stuff just comes to you and you don't have to look for it anymore. You literally are just sitting here in the driver's seat, playing the game, having fun and enjoying the ride rather than like trying to control the roller coaster that's like, it's already on the track. Like you're, you're, you're grabbing onto the bar because you're scared, but essentially put your hands up and enjoy the ride and just see what happens around you.
0: Right. And not be as attached to outcomes Mm -hmm. or where you think you have to be. Exactly there's a it's that element of trust you're speaking to like Mm -hmm. trusting even if i don't know exactly where this choice or direction is going to take me i trust it's in my highest good i trust i'm divinely supported and guided Mm -hmm. and even if you make a choice that ends up oh shoot that wasn't my intuition that was fear then you learn from it there's also this permission to mess up permission to fail Mm -hmm. and make mistakes Permission to fall as you're learning on your path forward. This isn't going to be perfect. And you're not, the goal isn't by following my intuition, I avoid any suffering or pain. But maybe we can like bypass a little bit of that resistance and make it a little more fun or enjoyable.
1: For sure. And I think all that stuff is a part of the journey, right? Like if you have nothing but really good days, it's kind of this brings me back to like when I was on Lexapro. Like LexaPro put me at such a high like, man, I'm laughing and loving every bit of life. if you're always up there, you actually get depressed because you don't have those contractions and expansions. that's what life is all about is you know the the sunny days are really nice after the really, really cold days and as soon as you have contrast in life of shadows light good, bad, happy, sad, that is what living is.
0: yes, the beautiful contrasts yeah
1: and it's it's um, even looking at an image, you can't have the perfect picture without light and darkness. Because if it's blown out, you can't see anything. There's no details, it's just white. And if it's too dark, you don't see anything either. It's too shadowy, but in the shadows, there's so much detail. In the highlights, there's so much detail and it just creates the most perfect image.
0: I love that. Yes, it's yeah. like we can always find the beauty in the darkness. It's like the, mm-hmm. the saying, no mud, no lotus. Yeah. And, and you're never ever gonna do away with the darkness. Like mm-hmm. that is just a part of life that we don't have to judge or view as bad. It's just a beautiful part of the the process, the human experience.
1: For sure. What? You, let me ask you. What do you think about this? Do if you see the the more you align yourself and the more light you bring into your life, do you see more darkness appearing as well?
0: Yep, one hundred percent. It's yeah. actually. I'm really glad you asked that because it's like now I'm so aware. I'm so open to feeling everything and to looking at it, that it's almost like more and more reveals itself to me from the shadows. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like you're living in a house and you never knew it had a basement or an attic, So you never yeah. even knew to look. And now I have the tools and I have the support mm-hmm. to feel confident and safe to open up and go down into sort of the shadow parts of myself with a flashlight and know I'm going to be okay no matter what's there. Mm-hmm. And the more I say yes to that, it's crazy. The bigger and more intense the moments are when they hit me. It's like the deepest depth of grief and heartbreak and sadness and abandonment yep. and betrayal yep. but on the other side of that, as I expand downward I'm also expanding upwards. So I'm starting mm-hmm. to also access greater heights of bliss and joy and peace. Mm-hmm. And there's this crazy dichotomy that's taking place of expansion yep. in both directions. Yep. So I always tell people when they start working with me, they have this expectation that healing means I'm going to feel better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. When we say yes to healing, we're going to start to feel worse half the time because that's part of the path.
1: Yeah. And I, I don't think That's that ever gets, gets anyway. yeah, well, I agree with that hundred percent because I don't think on the healing journey, um, they always, it always, uh, gets brought up. Like you'll feel better. You're going to feel better and better, 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 better. better, But until this recent year, I was really starting to feel enlightened and had a lot of light come in. And then I was like, Oh my God, what is that? Like, I think I'm going the wrong direction. And I'm like, what am I playing in the shadow? And it it was never that it was just focusing on those darker moments as opposed to the light or just being like, oh, man, like, I thought I was supposed to be coming in line, not more sad, but it's, it's just that that game of back and forth. And it just never gets brought up. I feel like everybody talks about their healing, but they really don't talk about like, what follows and it's, it's kind of like a giant staircase. We're just continually going up. The higher we go, the more that we can see both ways.
0: Right. And I always tell people, you know, if you were to be climbing Mount Everest, the higher up you go, the harder the the climb. Yeah. So it doesn't usually get easier. Although we we become more conditioned, Mm -hmm. we become more equipped to feel the feelings without feeling like it's going to kill us or knock us out for weeks and typically our capacity i noticed this with myself and with clients like my capacity to now process and transmute Mm. the really big intense energy is improving so i can move through something really big in maybe 30 minutes and it maybe would have taken me three weeks in the past And in the past i I actually wasn't handling it at all my coping mechanism was to binge and purge because Mm -hmm. i didn't have the conscious awareness of the pain and i didn't have the skill set to effectively process it so i would revert back to disordered eating patterns to try Mm -hmm. and help my system and self feel better and so now it's a matter of like oh i got this i know i got me and your theme around trust i trust my capabilities that no matter what shows Mm -hmm. up I can handle it and not have to revert back to these self-harm strategies.
1: What is, if you if you don't mind sharing it, what is your new strategy for really getting these emotions out? Because something I read, and tell me how this resonates with you, is every emotion that we we process and can express, we can fully express it in 90 seconds if we allow ourselves to not worry about what anybody thinks of us in the moment of expressing it.
0: If we my, what I've discovered is if we get rid of the story around it and you just get into the emotion and the energy stored in the body, if you can feel and liberate that I, I think you could probably move through something in 90 seconds. But mm-hmm. what humans do is we have so many stories. So we have to yeah. work through every thought that's coming up. I can't believe that they said this. And then there's energy mm-hmm. that's there. And, and it brings up the memories from childhood. And so it sometimes it like pulls on this long string of repressed emotional <laughs> energy that comes up behind a trigger in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And so then we have to like be with what's underneath that and what's underneath that. And it can look like a bigger process. Mm-hmm. Other times, if we've really been tending to our emotional hygiene, you know, then I think the, the processing time can get quicker and quicker.
1: Yeah, yeah. Something uh, you you keep saying that word. That's what I got to share. This is my repression. I was a king. It's just like, oh, what do I feel? Nothing. Let's stuff that down. And then I started my healing journey, and it's just like all this anger, resentment, just boils up from the triggers and it just is like, and then it's just like purges and I'm like, that's not me. And it's like, that really isn't me, but it's like all these emotions that I shoved down for so many years, this past year has just been catching up with releasing them all and then creating space and learning how to like, oh, that triggered me a little bit. Let's not repress it. Let's process through it and walk our way through it and create a release for it so that we don't have to deal with it in 10 more years.
0: Right. Exactly. Because we have these pain bodies that are an accumulation of our pain that we have not processed from our our energy body and our emotional body. And so even though we can't see it, it's still there. And we feel Mm -hmm. it when we get flooded with that anger you're pointing to, or we have this big reaction that's bigger than the situation warrants. Right. And that's an invitation to process, you know, I call them emotional wounds. It's like, Everything we didn't get a chance to process because we either as children or growing up, didn't have the cognitive capacity to, or we -hmm. didn't have the right parents or support system to show us how to, and to co-regulate with us. And so that's why building emotional intelligence and emotional awareness is an important first step, because if you don't, most people say, oh no, I'm fine. I feel fine. And my favorite acronym for fine is fuming inside nearing explosion. Like yeah. When I hear someone tell me they're fine, I'm like, this person is probably two days away from having an explosion because there's a buildup going on and a lack of awareness. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what I would say that that's been my biggest thing this year is being like, if something's wrong, not having that fear of being like, Ooh, what happens if you express yourself, but really feeling into it, stopping in the moment allowing myself to process what I'm feeling and then sharing that with the people around me, like, oh, I'm sorry. Like right now is not a good time to share it. Let me process it. I'll get back to you. Then whenever I get back to them, like, hey, you know, this triggered something inside of me. I was feeling this, even though that might not relate to what's happening right now. That's what was in the way. Thank you for the time and space. Here's how I'm feeling now.
0: And that's a great example of how you can take responsibility for your emotions and not mm-hmm. perpetuate these patterns of harm in relationship. Yep, a lot of times these wounds were created in relationship, like historically, uh-huh. you probably didn't feel safe to express your emotions for whatever reason in your home environment. You know, uh-huh. a lot of children, we hear the messages, uh, boys, you know, you should be strong or don't cry, uh-huh. or girls can't be angry or suck it up or be happy, whatever. The messages were and most parents are well-meaning you don't want your child to suffer and they Mm -hmm. think it's helpful but what we often learn is i'm wrong for feeling this or there's no one who i can share this with who wouldn't judge me or disconnect from me break their connection to me or withdraw their love from me and so we learn to hold everything in Mm -hmm. and as we begin to do the healing path and process what i find there's two things that are so necessary to heal and the first is what you're describing which is your ability to self-regulate in healthy ways name and process your emotions on your own so you don't project them into relationship and then the second piece which is even more scary but i think maybe even more important is learning how to process the emotions in connection relationship yep oh man that's That's like
1: that's like my whole year and before you go too far i gotta share this my body lighting up is when that trigger gets poked it's like and i'm like don't react go do some yoga
0: (laughs) right but really what we need is co-regulation I mean, there's nothing more healing for me than when I've been so angry and someone has been able to receive my anger without telling me not to be that way, without judging me for expressing that. And that's different. I'm not yelling at them saying I'm angry at you. Often this is a third party person and they're just receiving the anger with a heart of compassion and saying, I understand why you feel this way. Like you can share the intensity of this with me and I mm-hmm. won't leave you or judge you. And I'll still be here to get coffee with you tomorrow. And it's okay. Like, yeah. I think that's how we're meant to move through emotions. And mm-hmm. I think we're starting to return back to this healing through connection and community because it's it's a missing piece that a lot of people don't have.
1: For sure. And something something I've worked with lately to add on to this is like pouring love on it. It is so crazy. And it's it's almost like we're we're automatically triggered to lean in towards resentment and anger, like because I'm I can't feel this way and they're not listening and they're not understanding. And it's so kind of like childlike, which a lot of us were brought up with that conditioning from our parents. And it's this generation is, you know, it's is eye-opening. But then as soon as you learn to almost like we talked earlier, like lean into it, pour some love on it. Once you pour love on it, you start understanding it. And if you can detach from your own emotional attachment to it and allow yourself to see it from both sides, you can, you can truly see how one, typically you're doing the same thing at a different time and place, but you're not realizing it because you're projecting at that moment. And it, it allows you to like those little things you see at the selfie parties, like that little thing that goes around, it gives you the full image of what's happening, which in key is kind of like Zodiac. Like we're all looking at the elephant but I'm a Pisces. I'm talking about the trunk. Virgo's on the opposite side. They're telling there's like, there's a tell there, but we're talking about an elephant together. We're just not communicating well enough to be like, Oh, mine's a little bit shorter. And then that one, Oh, it's got two holes. Like, Oh gosh, we're talking about an elephant.
0: <laughs> love is the ultimate healing agent. Mm-hmm. And you're right. No matter what someone's perspective is, you know, when we can hold love for that person's unique perspective without judging it as right or wrong, especially when it's ourself, you know, it's so easy to judge myself for being angry or judge myself for what I'm feeling. And so to hold, I love the anger that's arising and it's okay Mm -hmm. that this is here. You know, that to me is the ultimate honestly, healing secret, like the actual frequency of love is what dissolves the emotions is what heals the patterns. Mm-hmm. Like you and I ultimately don't do it. It's this loving awareness and consciousness that is doing all of the healing in our bodies. Yep. And when you recognize this, you're, I think, kind of on the fast track to moving through a lot of the, the stuff that can plague us.
1: Yeah. And then I, I forget when I read this, but it said love and anger are the same emotion on two different frequencies. Anger is the lowest, love is the highest. And then you also have the same, ironically, with greed and compassion. They both have to do with money, but the more compassionate you are, the more you invite in versus greed is like, solo. So if you're greedy and angry, you're hanging out on these lower vibrations, which have lessons for you. But if you're loving and compassionate, like you are loving awareness in the moment and loving awareness is true abundance in life. It's the expression of life.
0: Yeah. And what you're pointing to, and I've recently been playing at this retreat I was just at with basically transmuting frequencies. Mm -hmm. and we were learning how to transmute, which means to change form, right? Change the frequency of anger and transmute it into the feeling of bliss in your body. Mm -hmm. And this is when it gets really fun as people progress on their healing journey and start to really build the skills and capacities to feel and process emotional energies. It's Mm -hmm. like the ultimate level of mastery is when you can actually feel the deepest, most intense intense rage. And like you Mm -hmm. said, the opposite continuum is like this blissed out, love feeling, and you yep. learn how to, in milliseconds, shift the frequency mm-hmm. to the higher realms, yeah. and that's how my understanding is. And I'm still super young on this path of enlightenment, but I, I think that's how a lot of enlightened masters are mm-hmm. able to exist in these really high states of love. It's because they've mastered that process of alchemy and transmutation.
1: Yeah, I've had, I've had this journey um, that you're kind of you're poking at um, is like with um, psilocybin. It allowed me because, you know, people always talk about bad experiences on psilocybin. I think it's like that and ayahuasca have these like awful experiences people talk about. But I've had one time on a plant mad experience that I started to go down a bad kind of little rabbit hole. And it was literally like it spirit was just like boop, flip the switch. You can go back up if you want. And it's these these just we can go down so low and it's like you have complete power to change your perception and the emotion in a second if you want to. But most of the time we just get stuck on this, like really narrow focus. And we're like, I'm looking at the bullet hole. And then you pull back and you're like, oh, there's a bullet hole. And then there's a bigger hole behind it. You know,
0: right. yeah, you just that, like that is a dance. It's mm-hmm. a dance because both are here. It's mm-hmm. the truth. Our true nature is we're whole. We're perfect. We're complete. There's nothing to fix. It's just that we've forgotten that. And we have mm-hmm. created these energies or patterns that sort of block us from knowing this truth. And some people get so focused on I'm broken and I need to heal and I need to heal and I need to heal that you forget that you can actually choose to, to kind of, I don't want to say it's not spiritual bypass, but you, Mm -hmm. you can be with that, but you can also be with the fullness of the love and the perfection Mm -hmm. that's here. And then other people spiritually bypass. And so they focus on the love and the light and they forget that there is still this content here that I do need to look at because it's preventing you from being able to access even more of that mm-hmm. state of wholeness.
1: Yep. Yeah. I'd say it with shadow work. A lot of people do start playing in the shadow. I caught myself at this point. I was like, I oh, was just working on chipping away at everything and found another thing and found another thing and found another thing. And then I ended up connecting with one of my old spiritual, my, my original like spiritual awakening teacher. And she was like, Chris, you're playing in the shadow. What if you just like poured a bunch of light on it? And I was like, but that's spiritual bypassing. And she goes, not when you've done the work, she goes, what are you, you're going to just continue to work on something that's not there. She goes, the universe is just going to keep throwing you stuff to do until you like figure out that you're on this endless cycle of trying to fix something that's not there. Right. I was like, Oh, because before that I was spiritually bypassing everything. I was like, Oh, it's fine. This or that's happening. Like, whew, it'll be fine. AKA stuffing and repressing and just like,
0: mm. It's so fascinating. Right there. It's like these two truths, like healing Mm -hmm. can happen instantaneously. It's just a matter of a choice that it gets to be easy or I learned through love and simultaneously also true is healing is hard and it takes time and it's not Mm -hmm. easy. And so all of this gets to be part of the human experience, but I do think we get to decide how long we choose to stay in the suffering. Right. And, And yeah, it's like, oh, got this, learned this lesson. I'm good ready to move on you know i don't need to sit in this shit any longer
1: <laughs> unless we forgot to do this we forgot capricorn on my astrology thing capricorn
0: all <laughs> about pain and suffering they're like pain and
1: suffering we're roller skating up hills and as soon as they can smile through it their lives are so awesome on the back side because they just like they're like i had fun when life was awful now life's beautiful like i'm having a ton of fun
0: <laughs> there you go caps have more fun i think fun play is one of the more healing frequencies.
1: Yeah. With love and compassion and just, you can, you can have fun. And I, I've recently been on this kick called it's Icky guy. I K I G I A it's by Hector Garcia. He talks about your life purpose. And essentially what it does is if, you know, I don't know the exact thing, but like, what are you good at? What do you love? What will people pay you for? And there's one other bubble that it talks about like your life purpose as soon as you can apply that to your life, it doesn't even have to be something you monetize, but you're in such a a frequency of like love and this it energy, like it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. You are loving every ounce of life and there's not enough time left. It's almost like the scarcity kicks in and it's like, I just found it. And you just reach this whole new vibration, which welcomes in so much more healing. You're above the other trees now. Your antenna is so high. And your 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 radio tower is able to tune into frequencies that you've never found before. That like stuff just starts releasing at such a rapid rate.
0: I think yeah, play is the frequency that can just make yeah. it all so much more enjoyable. Yeah. I, it's something I'm working on because I will default to work hard, serious, mm-hmm. you know, focus on the hustle culture, whatever we want to call that. And I've been reminding myself the most important work for me to do is play and rest because Mm -hmm. the energy that's present there that I access and how that helps me feel is going to benefit me more than me creating stress for myself, trying to work and stay serious. Mm -hmm. So I've been working on expanding my capacity (laughs) to play Mm -hmm. and Inner children love when we do that. It's like the, my inner child is like, please play more. You have become uh-huh. way too serious, and so I'm trying to to work on honoring the needs of my inner child also by doing that more.
1: Yeah, I I had a so as a content creator, I'm literally a red button pusher and a mouse clicker. It's it's a pretty cool job, right? At one point, what is I a got red button pusher. I put I push the record button all day. Oh, I'm got like,
0: you. <laughs> From a non-content so, creator, yeah, I understand and, now.
1: And you think about it, it's like, this is a really fun job. And when I got into it, it was so much fun. Then it became work for monetary reasons. And then it started to like click to me, like, why am I making this work? when? And then I changed my perspective and I said, people are paying me to play. Like my job is to play. People pay me to play. How awesome is that? And it completely shifts the perspective of somebody who's like, I don't know how to play like make it if you're so work oriented make it your job to play and have fun doing it because it's your job like that's your that's your flow state is to have fun today do it for 15 minutes and take 10 minutes off you know
0: because let me ask you if money wasn't an issue you had enough money like would Mm -hmm. you still be doing this as play would you still be playing with content creation
1: oh yeah yeah. so and that's what I'm trying to re-invite into my life is the I'm starting to work more remote because this content creation pins me because my computer overheats and it, you cannot edit out in spots but it's by welcoming in this new career shift it's it's reinviting you know photography and video and content creation as more play and a hobby rather than just like focusing on the monetary aspect of it because that money ta- m- monetary aspect just tanked it and it took the passion out of it and it just like it literally made it the most dry, icky part of my life. And something that I used to do to escape is now I'm looking for reasons to escape. And instead of making content at seven o'clock at night, I was like, let's go across the street, grab a couple of drinks and watch some TV and talk to people I've never met before. <laughs> and it it was like, oh, no, that's not it. That's not it. But then by stepping into this stuff, I'm creating more fun with the content I'm making. Now I'm having fun, even though I'm not making money on what I'm doing right now or very little. It is truly what I love doing. And in doing that, oh my gosh, all these fun jobs are coming back in. And I always say, like, think of the universe as a mirror. If you have a bunch of jobs that you hate coming in, you're doing something that you hate right now. That is the universe is like, oh, you want more of this? We'll keep throwing you them. But as soon as you do something you love and it's more playful, like more playful stuff comes in.
0: Yeah, I am seeing this in myself as well that I would, I love to do healing. Mm -hmm. Like I would do it for free. It just lights me up. And there was this sort of phenomenon with over time, I was doing so many healings in a week that it was this burnout because I was doing more from the monetary perspective. And it was affecting my capacity to do it with the heart and passion that I desire. Yep. And so I've had to continue to work on reconfiguring the number of clients I take on and how I structure my week so that I can stay in the frequency of, of heart-centered service that's aligned with my true passion. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't feel like a, a burden of having to, to earn money because then it does spoil the mm-hmm. innate joy and bliss that I feel from doing what I feel like my soul is here to do.
1: Yeah. And it. Um, are you familiar with life force energy or like Ayurvedic medicine in the kidneys?
0: A little itty bit. So
1: so our kidneys and our adrenals, are, our adrenals on our kidneys are our life force energy. And the more we live our purpose, the more life force energy we get. But the more we do things that light us up and bring us joy and enlightenment, create more life force energy into our lives for whatever hobby or career we choose to monetize with. But as soon as you can balance all these aspects together, it just opens up a whole new world for you. And it's like by doing stuff that is fun, like playing and your hobbies, and the stuff that doesn't make you money, it invites in so much more money on the backside because you're tapping into who you are and what you love to do. But as soon as you shut down who you are, what you you know what you do and what you're meant to do, and you know you create work over play, you're literally creating like a coconut shell to the sweetest part of you, and the universe is like. Pfft, Why would we give you more energy? You're going the wrong way. So it's always like tapping your energy of what what you feel with your energy and where it starts to light up to lean in towards. But then also then the the lesson of balance comes in. It's like, don't try to knock out your work week in one day on 24 hours and then take 48 off. Like, then you're going, that's pretty exhausting. It's like, where's that perfect middle ground between like working, resting, masculine, feminine, outer, inner.
0: Yeah, balance is an ongoing practice. Mm-hmm. It's something every day you have to kind of recalibrate and, and tweak because it's mm-hmm. so easy. It's just natural that we're going to dip in and out of balance. Yep. Somebody was sharing this weekend at my retreat that a lot of these, gosh, I want to say it, uh, sort of like a karate Mm-hmm. profession you know how they stand on one foot and they're learning how to balance and hold and that even when it looks like they're perfectly balanced their the body's actually making these slight modifications mm-hmm. so they're still a slightly leaning to the left or to the right or to the left or to the right and that's just the actually what has to happen in order for us to have the perception of being balanced yeah. so we're never fully there we're just always gently modifying or tweaking mm-hmm. the directions that we're going
1: yep and then we're finding that edge with a compression and the an expansion like we're always looking for a new edge but you can't know where the boundary is until you explore it and i mean that's like so many aspects of life is like you could be limiting yourself so much because you think you're at the edge but until you push past that boundary and then you're like oh whoops that's a little too far then you're like okay now we know where the edge is once you know where both edges are you know where that middle point is but then like you said that middle point continually changes and we're shifting Mm -hmm. And we just have to always be aware of that because otherwise we get still and stagnant and we're like, this is not it.
0: (laughs) Right, because we're expansive beings. We're meant Mm -hmm. to be expanding. Although that doesn't mean there needs to be pressure for personal development or growth, like expansions happening naturally. Mm -hmm. And it can be really fun to play with how much more could I love? How much more could I shine? How much more could I create? And, And invite in the curiosity to push those boundaries or lately, what I've been playing with is saying yes to experiences I would have never done before.
1: Yeah. It's
0: sort of like my my human self, Sarah, would never go to a karaoke bar. She would <laughs> never um, get a tattoo. Like these things that like we talk about these definitions that we limit us. Like uh-huh. I've limited myself according to the definition of who I am, mm-hmm. and so now I'm playing with okay, like what's an edge? Oh yeah, going to sing karaoke in front of people would feel terrifying? And also what happens if I play with that? And so there's, you know, can be really small or fun ways that people can begin to play with this idea of expansion and going beyond your comfort zone in a way that feels safe and Mm -hmm. is fun.
1: Yeah. I love that. I was about to ask, what are those things? But so tattoo and karaoke?
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I've never, Gosh, what were some of the other things? Like a lot of cult- cultural things. Like I don't really uh-huh. go out. And in San Diego, there's like a country line dancing bar. And mm-hmm. there's a salsa dance club. And there's these, you know, different settings that mm-hmm. I would normally not go to. Yeah, And so I want to play with exposing myself to more cultural activities that make mm-hmm. me nervous. So...
1: Yes, I've kind of hermited this past year in this deep, deep, uh, I'd say my deepest healing journey so far, I got a little bit crunched in. And now that it's like the sun's in my sign, it's Pisces season, I'm starting to get this really almost adventurous edge, kind of like that. of just like, okay, I've done this kind of yoga and that what kind haven't I done? Let's go meet some new people. Let's go do some new things. Let's adventure, explore and have some fun because, oh my God, I love this. How did I forget? I love this stuff. And then how much more is that going to bring into my life?
0: Yeah, I feel like that was, for me, a byproduct of COVID was this natural, the contraction into our hermit shell and not exploring or doing things. And now everyone I'm noticing is starting to get that that desire coming online again to get out there and explore again and try new things. And I think it's really important because sometimes what I see is people are seeking out new experiences because they want it to fix them. Versus for me, the shift is I now seek out new experiences for the experience itself, mm-hmm. like for the sake of having an experience, yep. not because I need that experience to heal me, to make me feel like I have confidence, not because I'm like, oh, at that experience, I'm I'm going to meet somebody and have this amazing opportunity. Like there's no condition around trying something Ooh. new. Yeah. And that has made it really fun and liberating.
1: I like that. Unconditional experiencing. Yes. That's like reality trans surfing to a T is like, no, no condition, just intention and follow it intention and action. Cause it's like taking out desire and attachment and this has to be this way because of that. I mean, it's truly living at that moment, right? It's like the alchemist, like, don't be worried about the destination. It's the process and the journey that is actually has all the enlightenment and fun in it. The destination is the end point and tells you, Hey, it's time to do something else.
0: Yeah. And I play with that a lot. I mean, it's one thing to say, enjoy the process, but there's a part in me for a long time that was still fixated on what I thought was the desired outcome. And the reason we fixate on an outcome is we anticipate the ego that when Mm -hmm. I get there, I'm gonna be happy. When I get there, I'm gonna feel satisfied or happy. And so we're actually seeking an emotional state. Mm -hmm. And if you can identify what it is you think you're gonna feel once you get there and you realize, oh, this is just about me feeling safe. Oh, this is just about, I wanna feel happy. Beautiful. Now you can just practice feeling safe and happy in the unfolding of the process.
1: Yep. And I I just saw this too. It's funny you bring that up. Somebody, or I saw this on social media. When you hit the little search button on Instagram, it just in so much because it tells you what you're talking about, but this beautiful thing came up and it was a real, and it said like, when you manifest, you aren't focusing, stop focusing on material things and outcomes, focus on feelings. As soon as you focus on that feeling, you're going to bring that feeling into your life. And with that feeling comes all those gifts.
0: Yep. I remember hearing from Joe Dispenza Mm -hmm. that emotions are the language of the body. Mm -hmm. And so when we realize that our emotions and that energy is really creating our experience, you can sort of empower yourself to, to change what's going on outside of you by focusing on what's going on inside of you.
1: That is, I think that is the key to life. Like stop trying to change stuff out here and just like, where's it at in here? How can we change that frequency and then attract it? Cause we're all magnetic. We're so magnetic. And it's like, if you aren't attracting what you want, there's something in here you can rewire. And as soon as you do, you put out a magnet and then your aura is like pulling it to you. It's a lot easier to sit on the couch and attract than it is to like go out and search for it.
0: Totally. The seeking or the receiving.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's also something I've been practicing with the feminine embodiment Mm -hmm. because masculine is often working on the seeking or the doing Mm -hmm. or the finding. And feminine is working on sitting back, relaxing, letting it come to me, attracting.
1: as an entrepreneur, you're because I see this in a lot of entrepreneurs, and I teach yoga at this um, place here in KC that has tons of entrepreneurs, and it's all about entrepreneurs. We're taught about work hard, like 16-hour days, keep going, keep going, keep going. Until you sit back to receive, you can put out so much work. But if you're not sitting back to receive and you're not open to receive, you are doing 10 times more work than you need to. But when you do sit back to receive, you can get a just a ton coming in. And if people are having issues in career that I'm working with and they're like, "Ah, I just haven't had a good month. I'm like, have you taken time to rest and relax? And they're like, oh, no, I can't. Scarcity wounds kicking in is essentially what they say. And I'm like, oh, no, no. Yeah, that's the perfect time to because watch all this magic start pouring into you when you rest, because if you don't rest in that state, you might get diseased or you might get sick. And oh, my God, the universe puts you on your butt so that you have to receive. And then people start taking care of you. (laughs) That's why
0: I say my most important job is to rest and play because yeah. for the longest time I thought, no, I have to work. I have to work. And I had these beliefs around what working looked like, mm-hmm. but the harder I worked, the more fatigued I got, the mm-hmm. less effectively I was working, the less creative juice and spark there was, and the less I was enjoying it. Yep. And sometimes the the most beautiful opportunities would show up when I was least attached to my, my business, right? It was yeah. the most reassuring thing because Mm -hmm. it's one thing to hear us say this, right? And it's another thing when you experience it, you can begin to trust that this is true, that Mm -hmm. actually, the more I rest, the more I play, the more I receive. And as you begin that trust, you begin to trust this universe. You begin to trust that you don't have to work so hard, right? You get to trust that it can be easy or Mm -hmm. that just because this is the way other people do it doesn't mean it's the way I have to do it. One thing I've begun to practice is, Cause I noticed I would look at my to-do list and get so overwhelmed and feel like there's not enough time in the day for me to get all of this done. And then I'd be like, Sarah, who said you had to do any of that? It's like, I was the one creating the to-do list that was creating my stress and making me hate the work I was doing. And no one else was making me do it, but me. And the moment I realized like, wow, this is all self-created and I have the power to totally change that I've been sitting with, what do I actually have to do? What do I actually want to do? And what mm-hmm. actually lights me up? And those are the only things I'm going to do. Because mm-hmm. if I don't have to, I don't have to. Mm-hmm.
1: And all that stuff you said goes back to your inner authority with your sacral. Yep. Like creativity, play, like that's your life force energy too, flowing. And as soon as you shut it down, you're like telling the universe, like, I don't like my design anymore. Stop.
0: Yeah. And then that- as soon as
1: you do that, you welcome it back in.
0: It's like the struggle between the ego will and divine will, Mm -hmm. right? It's like the spirit is saying, hey, listen, do this. And then there's this part that just refuses. Like we sometimes want to learn the hard way and Mm -hmm. I honor my stubbornness. I definitely have a stubborn side, but I'm really working on working with spirit, not against spirit.
1: And to to circle back this to the kind of where we started with this was the how much of that was patterning and conditioning of like, I need validation from everybody around me to have this self worth, to know that I'm more than what I am. And you just work harder and harder and harder for parents, for partners, for all these people. But as soon as you start validating yourself and you really stop giving a crap about what anybody else thinks and you do what lights you up, it's amazing the difference in feeling. And that's like spirit versus ego but then when you can work them both into like all right ego give me a little bit of structure here to allow spirit to play we invite in that masculine feminine work play inner outer oh my god our world just lights up and then everything comes to us again
0: full circle
1: yeah boom,
0: boom. <laughs> there we are folks <laughs>
1: <laughs> i was wondering this whole time i was going to circle back but that's where i was like universe it always it's always fun on these podcasts to see because I'm like, gosh, we're really out in right field, and then it just like
0: boop, boop, <laughs> boop, 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 comes back. Yeah, but we covered so many fun bases.
1: Oh, I think so. That was that was a really good, um just basis of life. I would say that would that this whole conversation it's been my healing journey this last year between emotional, physical, entrepreneurship, self discovery transmuting alchemy creation understanding and just freaking living.
0: Yep. I know we're we're learning how to be human beings, not human doings. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, we're we're about to step into the projector world too. We're all going to start relaxing more as this world continues. I'm so excited for it.
0: Good. When when are we stepping into the projector world?
1: Uh 2027.
0: I mean, that feels a little bit ways away, but I can hold out.
1: <laughs> a little ways away but so in astrology too right now a lot of people i don't know when this is all being released but we have saturn going into pisces and then we have pluto leaving capricorn very restrictive into aquarius very freeing so we're gonna see but here's the trick though we always get a peek into the future so we're gonna see these planets shift here on march 7th it's a really cool time sun and pisces pluto and aquarius and what do i say saturn into pisces So we're going to see these things change and we're going to be like, this is awesome. woo!" And then retrogrades are happening and they'll go backwards and we'll be like, what happened to this beautiful sunshine? And then they'll come back in and keep going forward for the, you know, they'll stay in those signs. So we're about to have a really big conscious shift and humanity is about to see technology just start going crazy fast technology and all these breakthroughs are going to happen. But we're also going to have this spot where we're dreaming really, really big as a collective, but we're able to ground it in reality paired with that. So it's, it's about to be a really, really magical time, but we're going to get so far ahead, I feel like, in technology and this like magical thinking. Think of Steve Jobs everywhere. It's essentially what's kind of going to happen. But then we're going to create such a sufficient world that we can start being humans again and relaxing, going on trips, enjoying life. Like we're, We've hit this spot where we're just like, how many hours can I work a day? 12? great. Let's just crank up that intensity more and more and more and more and more. And that's like the generators and man are like starting to burn out. And then projectors are like, by the way, we've been sitting back here enjoying life. And you guys want to, you guys want to pull up a seat next to the pool?
0: <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. I'm coming to join you next to the pool. So Oh yeah. save me a spot.
1: <laughs> yeah. We'll be in Bali for that one.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Well, this was awesome, Chris. I loved this conversation. It was just so enlightening and fun to Mm -hmm. bounce these ideas off each other.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. This is, this has been so playful for my mind. And just like, even, even just reflecting back on the year, the journey, the experience, and then, you know, even looking forward into like, what's to come if this has been this past year, like it's only going to get more magical and more experiential as a whole. So Thank you for reinviting that all back into my oh, my energy so and my consciousness. So I know
0: I have an image right now of us like getting on the roller coaster and I'm like, great, let's buckle up. Here we go. Yeah. The, the next that's, year's journey.
1: Oh man, that's funny. I got a reading yesterday for um, Lisa had a channeling class and somebody said like, Chris, you're on top of the roller coaster right at the top, but you got to sit there a little bit longer. And I'm like, oh, right,
0: <laughs> right before the drop and all the yep. fun starts. Yeah. We're so in exactly so good all right chris well, we'll have to save part two for the new year with the new energy
1: yeah let's go thank you so much and i think that's it
0: yeah sounds good bye guys thanks for tuning in to the empowered eating and living podcast if you liked today's episode make sure to follow the show so you don't miss future ones And if you loved it, then please leave a five-star review so that we can share the love with others who may benefit from listening too.